Hello everyone and welcome to Helix Plays Games. My name is Richie and joining me this week is the host of the ClickerCast at CyberChris2077. Hello everyone. Mr. Chris. And also Mr. Rob. Just a regular hello from me. I want a, I want a better hello from you, Rob. Give me a better hello. No, I want viewers to have a better like hello. Okay. <laughs> you get what you're giving and like it, okay, so. Oh, well, fine then. Maybe like I should just tell you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but what else have we got going on for you this week? We have Microsoft laying off 10,000 employees, my um, first impressions of Persona 3 and 4, and have you ever wanted to power wash Croft Manor? All that and much, much more on this week's X-Pass. Before we get into it, Chris and Rob are both being forced to mute because I kept interrupting me while I was trying to do the housekeeping section. So if you do like the video, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, or your podcast feed of choice with notifications turned on so you're kept in the loop of all the great content here at Helix Players Games, such as Talking the PS, where every single Tuesday we break down all the PlayStation news happening. We have our clicker cast where we break down HBO's The Last of Us at live at 8pm GMT and Chris is very much trying to distract me there. No, 8 PM it's, it's the clicker cast. It's like... It's the oh, thing. I thought you were just That's trying to distract is. me. No, right, I was yeah. just doing a little dance for your enjoyment. That's like the clicker cast thing. All right, yeah. 8pm GMT, ClickerCast, live on YouTube. We'll see you in the chat for that one. Our live streams every single Thursday, where most recently you played Back for Blood. And over the weekend, I dropped two first looks at Persona, of Persona 4 Portable and Persona 4 Golden. Both of them played by on the X-Pass and X-Pass, Xbox Game Pass. And we'll talk a bit about them in a little bit. So, Chris... You got oh, your microphone gee. turned on. You're not. You, you're being. You're behaving yourself I've, now. I've, yeah, I've calmed down now. Yeah. So what have you been playing? Um, more of The Witcher Three this past week. Uh, I'm well aware we've got a ton of Game Pass games that have dropped, but none of them really tickle my fancy. I'm 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 holding out for Age of Empires, console and yeah. cloud edition. We're talking um, about so in the meantime, in so in the meantime, I jumped into back into The Witcher, one of my cool. adventures with Geralt, and uh, getting familiar with it, enjoying it. Runs good. Yeah. We talk a bit about more of that tomorrow on um, talking the PS. So if you want to know Chris's impressions so far, yeah, I will say as well there is a. I don't know if you guys noticed, there's a boxed next gen version of The Witcher Three coming out. So like an actual like physical copy that they've announced uh, this past week. And weirdly enough, they're keeping the same box art from the Game of the Year edition from like 2015. They're just not. It's like okay. the same pose of, of Geralt, but with mm. all like the new awards, like winner of 10,000 awards, yeah. like on the side instead of Game of the Year. I think you've got you've got a, an opportunity to repackage it in a, a totally next gen on in Series X and PS5, and you opt for the exact same cover art. Yeah, but like just for the effort it takes to do it, to hmm. get more sales, right? Like I, I just think something jazz, yeah. Like you see it with books and not such, where they kind of fold in like the TV counterpart. They'll give it a new skin and go, "Oh, look, Henry Cavill's on the front of the Witcher series." And then for the game, they just like we don't have any other imagery of our main protagonist of this whole series. Just it almost make it a bit of a more of a collectible if they change the art. Yeah. 
Just so new. people who have the original one might double dip, but I don't think CG Project Red are that company that they want you to double dip. That's why I think they've been very much not, even when PlayStation's like, you have to pay for the upgrades, CG Project Red's like, no, you don't. Hmm. It's just, yeah, just an odd choice from a visual standpoint. Cause yeah. It's weird. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob, anything interesting? Um, a lot of it's been PlayStation based. Um, the only other game Ooh, I actually played this not week. Not in this podcast. Not in this podcast, no. Um, does anybody remember a game called Warzone 2100? I think I, I think it was recall a demo it. of it. It was like a 90s kind of. It was one of the first things where, like, you build your own kind of, um, like, the little tank thing almost. And, like, you're like a tank designer. And, and like, it was like set in like a post apocalyptic world. And it was. I don't know why I decided to play it. I just did. And Command and Conqueror is why you decided to play it because it looks exactly like bits of Command and Conquer. It is a little bit, yeah, but it's more kind of like. It was the first kind of like 3D game, I guess, uh, I ever played. Um, and you could like choose when you build your tanks, you could choose like what weapons they had and like what tracks they oh, had and stuff I like this. I remember this game. This game was awesome. This game, they just yeah, need to right. remake this game. This, ne- this game needs a remake, like straight up. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I've, I put a bit of time into that. Um, but I don't know why, as I say. Is that on Game Pass? No, I, I had to um, go on the. Um, do you know, like the, the like abandonware websites where it's like oh, old like, abandoned games? Yeah, it's not in circulation yeah. anymore. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure I had it on a PlayStation demo disc. I wonder if it's like, good old games. I had it on piece on PC and like it came in like a massive box like this hmm. with like with something that's that's just how you used to buy PC games. Yeah, a big cardboard box for some yeah. reason. It's all the installation yeah. rules that had to come with it. I think back in the day. Windows 98. Potentially, so. yeah. But yeah, uh, it, was, it was a good little game. it might be free on Steam. Oh, okay. Free on Steam? I haven't checked. I've just seen a forum that people saying it's free on Steam. Well, so. what's on 2100? Hey, we're not far off 2100. We might be looking at the end of the year 2100. Verified, it is free on Steam. Yeah, so you, you don't like... need to go to dodgy abandonware websites. You can just get on Steam. Yeah, but for anybody who's kind of in the um, our like kind of early thirties age group who likes an RTS game from the past, then then I'm definitely check this out. I'm like our entire library. demographic, I yeah. might add it to my library as well for a bit of nostalgia. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned you, I know you were playing Command and Conquer last week, Rob. Have you ever checked out Tiberian Wars as well? Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like it, it's kind of a mid tier. Yeah. kind of Command and Conquer tile for me. But yeah, it's definitely got some enjoyable elements to it. So I feel like I, um, I, learned, I, about it to Alert, I learned about it after Red Alert 2. So it was like Red almost Alert's like a the... back in time yeah. to a, an older game, but it's the same, but lots of... Lots yeah, of like the Red Alert series has always been my mainstay um, yeah. with the franchise. Um, yeah. But yeah, need a, need a number four. That's what we need. Mm. Well, I, don't, I don't guess you can't really do it now. Can't you? I think it's, I think it's problematic to have like every female uh, in that game. Yeah, like, ends up won't have sex with you, as because you are such a good commander. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, Eve, Eva, Eva, whatever she's called. Okay, like you, you Tanya. Can, you like, can modernize things a bit, like while still keeping the core gameplay. It's, it's like, probably oh, you're a special operative. Yeah, He's, you're a special operative now. He's your tiny tank top. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> it's your classic, um, almost like your classic, like 
RPG things like, oh, the guy, he's massive plate mail armor. Women, tiny bikini, <laughs> equal defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely games made for yeah. teenage boys, as was the entire 90s kind of game yeah. scene, I guess. It's available on Origin right now. Mm. Oh. It takes place in 2062. Terrifyingly close. No, it is, yeah. Interesting. But before but yeah. we actually get into the news of the show, I think I'd like to just take a moment to say goodbye to Google Stadia. Because, I mean, it's the origins of the channel. I mean, X-Pass actually replaced Sounds of Stadia, our weekly Stadia podcast, which literally is what we started our content creation journey with. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like, yeah, the first week where Stadia is no longer a thing. I have. I know you, you mentioned about games we're playing there as well. I have actually. Yeah. I did have a hankering last night to play a worm game. Yeah. Just so I had a spare like twenty minutes. I played I a, bit, like, a little bit of worm game since our since our stream, but not much. Yeah, it was like, ah, oh well, what could it be? I had I had this thing where actually I just went through my library and I didn't play anything. I was just looking through the game list. And going, kind of almost like reminiscing about some of the games that I've, I've really enjoyed over the years, mm. over the last three years with Google Stadia. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sad times. Sad times. Good it's... times. Spiritual successor, X-Pass. Yeah. And I hope everyone who's affected from the, who works there lands on their feet. Yeah, because not only have we got some news about Microsoft layoff, but Google just Google. laid off like 10,000 Al- well, people Al- as well. Alphabet have the year as well. Collectively, 20,000 people in the deck industry lost their jobs within like 48 hours, which is like, considering the amount of money these companies have, it's crazy how they can't sustain. Uh, do you want to introduce us to the news and we can just dive straight into that topic? Yeah, I guess I can do. Uh, the excellently exuberant excavated Xbox expose, a.k.a. The News. The News. The news. And as always, our news is brought to you by our Helix Heroes, which you can become for as little as 99p, where you get early access to talking the PS. You get custom emojis, badges next to your name in chat. And sometimes we do throw more early content to you. I, I didn't with Persona 3 and 4. I did consider it, but I just wanted to get them out for everyone. But yeah. Um, so first topic of the week, tech layoffs. Oh, Chris, you were, about to, you were just about to talk about um, Google. Just shit, isn't it, really, all around? Um, Microsoft laying off 10,000 people, Alphabet slash Google laying off 10,000 people in from industries that it probably had the most successful um, time over the last few years with the pandemic and everyone working from home and technology being embraced, is we suddenly find out, yeah, they're just basically trimming the fat, supposedly, from every division possible, and yeah, it's crazy. There's people we know from, again, our time with Google Stadia who are directly impacted by this. Uh, and hopefully all these people land on their feet. They're all obviously successful in their own right to find their new jobs. But it just seems like no one no one is free from this kind of world we live in right now with, with people looking to, to trim money, businesses and uh, families and stuff alone. But it's a sad time. But to focus on the Microsoft one, um, it seems to be impacting other yeah, gaming divisions, the publication um, companies and, and everyone and everything in between. So I guess in terms yeah, of video and- games, it's it's crazy thing that happens because there's so much money made there and yet they're not adverse to it. Yeah, what I don't, what I struggle to get my head around is how a business can lay off ten thousand people. I know businesses sometimes you go through these periods of consolidation where you need maybe need to trim trim the fat out of the team. Things change, especially when the 
in game development, things are very much project-based. Mm. So if people might be brought on for a project and at the end of the project, you no longer need someone filling that role or the next project doesn't really... There's stuff like that can happen, but to 10,000 people, it just feels like a very arbitrary, cold, calculated, we just need to cut costs, get, get rid of 10,000 people rather than an intelligent, targeted, like, let's review what each team needs, trim the fat, it just seems like kill, 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 kill. Just get rid, get rid. Yeah, I mean, they're not killing it, them, to be fair, but yeah, it seems yeah. Uh, getting rid of this many people. So it, again, it happens in every industry where it, it happens in the one I work in, it happens in the, the fields that my parents work in. It seems like companies are just cutting budget requirements and setting roles and expecting other people to pick up the slack uh, where you've got people who it was never part of their job description doing things that their boss used to do, but their boss has been laid off or vice versa and responsibilities are all dished out. The Microsoft CEO did come out and say that this apparently only classes as 5% of the company's total headcount, which That's shows you how big. big of a company Microsoft are. Mm-hmm. 10,000 is only 5%, but it's 10,000 individuals and lives and families and, and livelihoods that are impacted by this. And it's it's just crazy thing a company is as cash rich as Microsoft can't sustain it a little mm-hmm. bit more but i guess it's like is that just like tech by like companies um, like growing to such a size yes. that it becomes unmanageable well this is so, like I the think... thing uh, go, go for it Rob. okay i was gonna say like the thing with microsoft is they kind of as a business they go through these like like there's like the big rubbish kind of predicting trends and kind of forecasting for like kind of global kind of trading periods so for context like there was a there was a kind of a big stock market crash in 2015 and that kind of led to them hacking about a, a similar number of employees um, around that time and the year before that they'd increased their headcount by say percent so like they expanded really quickly didn't see like turbulent times coming and then had to cull and the same things kind of happened here so in 2022, they hired, like, their workforce increased by kind of like 20-something percent, which kind of, once they've been hit this year, they've had to really kind of pull back on that. And it's a bit of a trend with Microsoft. They always kind of do it. They'll, they'll over-inflate they'll over and then instead of being a bit more conservative and actually thinking about people's livelihoods, like what would happen to them and like these new employees, they just tend to overinflate and then cull again. And it's, it's this really is, annoying. I mean, I mentioned it just like when it's the numbers like 10,000 seems to just an arbitrary, almost arbitrary number. They're not looking at the needs of the teams and it's just like, oh, it is, get yeah. rid of this number of people. It's very mm-hmm. much feels like this is done by a guy on a spreadsheet who doesn't necessarily know what these jobs are and the functions of these people. Oh, and, and and that they're talking about how they hope that this will make them like stronger going forward. Like, but this just for me just feels like mismanagement at a very senior level. Like so you're it's, not. It's, it's, you you mentioned I've seen like it happen a lot. The ma- taking so, like, away probably way too many people, and the result of that they have to cut people. But if you're constantly going through that cycle, mm-hmm. I can't see that as anything other than mismanagement. To be honest, you, I mean it's. I mean, I'm there's, only there's used to working to in there's small businesses, so... Yeah, there's a bit of yeah. mismanagement there. Like, obviously, like, a company size of Mike, like Microsoft, like, they're a lot less agile than, say, like, a company yeah. I work with, for example, and, and when I do my consulting and things like that. So there's an element where they 
they'll get carried along because they have a bigger sail and like if you imagine like the wind is the general state of the world and things yeah. like that so they do get carried along bigger but i've seen it a lot since like the pandemic's kind of eased off so a lot of people who followed for a long time will know i kind of work in e-commerce and things like that and all the companies i've, I've come across saw like that similar boom during the, pan the, during the pandemic because you couldn't spend money in retail or in restaurants or hospitality or anything like that so you spent it online so all these yeah. companies kind of expanded thinking like this spike will just continue going up and this year you've well, really seen like a, a, a correction and I, they haven't see, like anticipated again i'd say that's a bit of mismanagement you uh, yeah you can look and go okay this, we can ride the spike get us to a level but you must if in e-commerce like if you're being a bit thinking pragmatically you'd be looking at, yeah we're gonna get the spike we can ride the wave a bit but you should also be expecting like yeah this is a bizarre situation once this has gone off, yeah, we might retain more of the market share than we did. Brick and mortar stores might probably lose out in market share, but they're not going to be just completely killed off. Oh, true. But the so issue is you, you can't that. you can't ride the wave unless you hire yeah. other people to kind of ship your yeah. orders out and, and do all that stuff. So I can see why it's happening and better plan. And to be fair, Microsoft yeah. could have rolled this out without having to to, to call yeah. people. They're doing it because. <laughs> yeah they have to yeah. there's it's, a big element it, of, of business as well as that because they're in technology is there's always new things on the horizon like they're always having to research and develop for new products and, and things that just won't take off and kind of like if we reflect back on google and stadia like they laid <clears throat> hundreds of people off as well because they tried something mm -hmm. they invested a lot of money into it it didn't work out or it didn't show profitability within three years so they pulled the plug on it then all those people realistically they've got no purpose of being there anymore because the project doesn't exist and i think a lot of turnover mm -hmm. with microsoft will be look at this cool interesting thing whether it's droneware or security cameras or mobile phones again or whatever they're working in they build up a team from scratch like rob said they have to get specific expertise in but then the reality is is they can't just move them onto a different project because that their skills don't transcend across to other areas of the business so then it when someone on a spreadsheet like rob said the size of microsoft the, the bean counter who's doing all the finances doesn't know the expertise or skill of these 10,000 people, mm -hmm. but there has to be a, a line drawn somewhere. And evidently, they just crunch the numbers and go out to the teams and say, who can we get rid of within these teams? We'll keep up the same production rate. And it, it's cold business and it, it sucks, but it does it does happen. Like Rob said, you're going to have growth, yeah. but you're going to have that shrinkage before the next big thing comes along. And no mm -hmm. one can predict the future. That's the reality. Yeah, so like who could imagine like... The, like Ukraine situation, obviously, like you can, yeah, you can look to the past and think oh, maybe this could have happened, but ultimately, that's that's a massive event which you can't really forecast for. In the same way, the pandemic was, I guess. Um, mm. So I, I'm a bit more forgiven of them in this situation. Yeah, um, I, but still, it fucking sucks for the people on the ground, right? Absolutely, 100. Yeah. I think for me, only really ever working in small businesses, I kind of look at it and go, this feels just very much cold, calculated, just blanket sackings across the board rather than like a strategic intelligent targeted re like redundancy is like where's the fat in each team that we can cut it's just sort of kill get rid of people's jobs yeah i get the overarching thing of microsoft as a corporation doing doing this but it feels like you, you should i don't know i feel like if i was in that position i'd be like right we need to cut ten thousand jobs with you go to the man the, the heads of the individual like teams and go right where can you save money where can you save money and rather than just go and get rid of people because yeah. this does yeah, actually I mean, we don't impact. Know that's not happening like yeah 
it's, that's true. Fair. It's hard to know kind of how it's working, but um, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's, it does say they all leave with severance packages, healthcare, and stock investment for six months and sixty days notice before termination. So it's not like, yeah, Elon Musk's just coming in there and firing everyone left, right, and center who looks at them funny. It's, yeah, it's genuine. I, like they'll, they'll have to do their due, due diligence legally, and I, I guess yeah, just ten thousand, just, just the scale of it. I think that's scary. Six month severance is. is on surface seems quite good, but when you're basically one of 10,000 people who've just left the job working in a similar in, similar industry, and that's before you've mentioned other tech companies who've lost their jobs, mm-hmm. the amount of competition for jobs is massive now because of yeah. this. I mean, tech as tech as a, as a sector has been overinflated for a hell of a long time anyway. So, yeah. like, I can, like, all of this goes in cycles, right? right? It's like going to the gym where you try and, like, transform your appearance like you have to like bulk up eat a lot of eat a lot of food gain a bit of fat and then like you go through a phase of like leaning out and then oh, I, I was doing that, for, it's I, that I went through it's that type um, of thing i was bulking for about 33 years <laughs> but again now now, you, now you're culling you're culling yeah, people Richie. hopefully for another 33 years <laughs> yeah just just think of like this like your kind of fat cells as like staff and you might be a bit more forgiving on microsoft yeah. kind of Taking people out of it. This went yeah, into, I mean, an, into an odd metaphor. We should touch on actually the reason we're talking about this because it does actually impact the Microsoft gaming divisions because mm-hmm. um, we know um, Bethesda, the coalition, and Free for Free Industries have all definitely been affected by these. And reports suggest Free for Free has been hit especially hard. Um, with, like, I think they. What? I'm looking for the name of who's the creative head, jo- Joseph Staten, head of create, of creative on the head of head of creative on Halo Infinite will be leaving Free Form Industries but stay within Xbox. So there's an odd there's an odd factor that comes into the video game world because we know about Bethesda being part of Microsoft. Like the reality is there'll there'll have been a lot of duplication of job roles with that merger where people who had jobs at Bethesda that they already existed at Microsoft. So you've kind of got that consolidation moment when two say line managers do the exact same thing, but there's only one team to manage. So there will have been that kind of crossover where there was inevitably going to be losses with any merger because that that's the nature of it. Uh, In terms of video games, you've also got that twofold hit of if a game doesn't perform, someone has to, kind of be reviewed for that and say Mm -hmm. like well why didn't this game hit the standard why aren't we seeing the return of investment on this and is is people who are like new to the xbox ecosystem 343 is basically potentially like going to be thrown under the bus like sacrifice to the wolves kind of thing as Mm -hmm. um halo infinite wasn't received as well as it should have been it's um getting a lot of backlash from its hardcore fan base and what do we do next? And it seems to be that 343 is not going to be the lead on the next Halo game. And there's going to be a big shakeup with it because I think Infinite being the flagship franchise for Xbox, not landing the way it was is is crazy to say. But like, is yeah. it still classed? It's like, you know, it's such a hot property for Microsoft and Xbox is the figurehead. It cannot go wrong and it has gone wrong. And Are I think they the patience is starting to run out. Are they approaching with Halo more misses than hits? I, I wouldn't so. want to comment I, as someone who's not played I, them. Yeah, I mean, that is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put that question at the co- the comments if like you've been with the Xbox ecosystem longer than we have. Because I know things like Halo in the Xbox and Xbox 360 era seem to be like the hot property in first person shooters. Yeah. 
then I basically had nothing about it. While admittedly not an Xbox person at the time, during the Xbox One generation, and Halo Infinite seems to have mixed I mean, reviews. I don't think it's like way, reviewed how many, terribly. How many streamers? How many big streamers actively stream Halo multiplayer? None that I'm aware of. Do, they I, don't. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. it's like its position as a first-person shooter kind of hot property is just gone. Yeah. My my yeah. perception is it's been on a slow decline for years since like their initial like one two three. Yeah, I think Halo Infinite was meant to be a resurgence, a return to form, but then it just. I mean, if you remember that game actually got delayed because it looked terribly initially. Yeah, and they did say they did say they was they were going to have a ten year plan for Halo Infinite. That's why it wasn't a numbered entry because they were like, oh, this yeah. is going mm-hmm. to be this is going to be Halo for the foreseeable, and we'll add content and passes and maps and such, and then. Because of the way the maps came out, the pack, the season content that dropped before Christmas was like very threadbare, and yeah, now like leadership are leaving, and you, you really do have to question like who is it? And now they now they have Bethesda. In all honesty, I think it would be a really good PR move to shift Halo and give it to like id Software instead. It's like yeah. you've got okay. someone who's like get behind it was just so tried and tested in making terrific first person shooters and we've seen that in the recent releases of uh, Doom. Like they you own them now. Oh it's, is, so it like machine, just, it, is it machine games that makes Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein, yeah. But they're doing Indiana yeah. Jones so they're they're preoccupied. Yeah, okay, yeah. But like we had Doom Eternal came out what, like a year or so ago? I feel like it's, you're not shipping them out to a third party company. You literally Eternal, have an in house team of experts ready to go Doom and it's three, be three, three years, Chris. Hmm? Do Eternal was meant to yeah, be a Sadia yeah, launch title. Why. I said last year. Yeah, you yeah. said a year or so ago. It's yeah, like concept I mean, free. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you've just got you've got the team there, and I just think it gives three four three maybe an, an easy out while they can. Is that? Do you have to admit that you're just abandoning um, Halo Infinite then and yeah. that plan? I, no, I don't think they can do that. I think they have to commit to Halo Infinite, but I do think they need another entry. To do it, uh, 343 was to... built to make Halo. That's the questionable thing. It's like their sole yeah. purpose was Halo, and they haven't. They, when they took over from Bungie, they've seemingly not just not done it right. But again, it's, it's hard to say having not played or enjoyed them. I don't really know the ins and outs. I just go off what I hear and read out there in the world, and it's it's yeah. a shame. Again, this is a franchise that revolutionized revolutionized the first person shooter genre, especially in multiplayer. It's like there's it feels like they should be it doesn't feel like one of them games franchise where you go you know what maybe it's time to sunset this or at least put it aside for a while then have a resurgence in 10 years it feels like you do need to kind of find a way find mm. find that bottle that magic again because it feels like they just need to find that special yeah. thing and maybe a changing developer is the answer yeah I think it would just shake it up but back to the back to the layoffs what you said like the 343 in particular, uh, it's up to a third of their workforce that are getting laid off. So within that 5% mm. of Microsoft in total, that's a third of their team going, well, which if they're supposed to be working on the next Halo thing, reducing your team well, by a third is not a good look if you want a, a better right, outcome. If the reports are right and that they are losing Halo for future development of future games, then yeah, ha- like slashing your team in that kind of way, so it probably then just becomes a Halo Infinite support studio for now. Pretty much, yeah. Do you need to have any people actively developing a new game from the ground up? You don't need as many people to maintain and develop, release new content for a game that already exists, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, so they just uh, become an infinite support studio while someone else works on the next mainline entry. Seems to be yeah. the, what we're getting from this. Maybe, yeah, you do give it to id and you make um, free for free a support studio for id for that period. So maybe he's like, yeah, you're not the lead on it, but you're still going to be mm-hmm. working on it. Potentially. But it's uh, it's all definitely a shake-up, and I think uh, Xbox fans will agree that it's it's probably been a long time coming. Yeah. And I, th- I guess we hope with all these acquisitions is that just Microsoft really puts some energy and focus into some fresh new IP, because tomorrow mm-hmm. on talking the PS, we gush over Ghost of Tsushima and Horizon Zero Dawn, and they're like franchises that didn't exist 10 years ago. And realistically, yeah. how long can you keep flogging this, this Halo horse? Like... Yeah, they've got like Senua, Hellblade and such but like Microsoft I really just want them to come out fresh with some new hot things this this generation that really makes Hellblade me sit up could and be go good. oh there's only been one Hellblade awesome. there's only been one Hellblade game yeah, yeah, so the far isn't one, there yeah. so th- the second one could be that kind of oh yeah now now Game Pass exists mm-hmm. and I think it's it will be more people, going to, more people are going to play it this could be like yeah Hellblade could become like into that category it ha- yeah. very much has the potential by the looks of it and and there is that expectation like by the end of this year do either of you two think that starfield has the chance to be microsoft's flagship game like above halo because all the hype behind it seemingly is pointing yeah. towards like do more people care about starfield than halo if you're an xbox fan at the end of this year forget nostalgia does halo infinite beat out starfield in terms of conversation oh, and no, popularity not in any day of the week yeah which I mean, is mad to all. say, right? Yeah. Like, like that's mm-hmm. crazy to think that. Like Halo is Halo, but it is is it just like running on fumes now? The, Who it, knows? the shines very much come off the IP and the need to find a way to put it back on, but like yeah, change changing the studio, give a, a new team a chance to do do something, I think could be what it needs. And I just hope they give whoever ends up developing the next Halo game the time and support that they need. To absolutely nail it and no more releasing trailers where like character models look like kind of crummy and live Craig, no, Craig or no more one. cutting expected features promising like the co-op campaign promise that yeah yeah it'll, it'll be that launch okay now it'll come later then cancelling it mm. it's all things like that like haven't been done well for Halo well, that's, like <clears throat> that's the big conclusion isn't it this stuff happens at most game developers, but because it's Halo and because it's Microsoft and it's it's status, is it, all eyes are scrutinized like ten times over. It feels of like that. it feels a bit. It's, it's got something of the cyberpunks about Halo Infinite, to be honest. Where it probably came out a lot earlier than it, it should have done. But, but at the same time, it should have came out when it was supposed to, and it should have worked because they had years to develop it. Yeah, but then that's the that's the weight on the shoulders of it has to be good. So every time it goes into like its yearly review and Phil Spencer and the team get together, they go, mm, this needs to be better, guys. This is Halo. And they go, okay, take it away for another year. Come back. Still not better. Like, you can only delay stuff for so long. Before yeah, they like, so have twice, really, didn't they? In, yeah. With the Master Chief Collection and Infinite. Like, can't yeah, the I think time. they fixed yeah. the Master Chief Collection eventually. Uh, yeah, but, they did. They did yeah, it, that's, that's the key word. Fixed eventually is. Yeah. It, it comes back to the classic um, Shigeru Miyamoto quote about games like you, a good game is always good but bad games or wh- whatever I can't remember the quote off the top of my head but you know like don't release a game till it's ready and to be honest Nintendo should look at themselves in that because Pokemon Violet and Scarlet shouldn't be out yet it, it, again yeah. it's a kind of but, rising status of like AAA game development is not easy it's not cheap oh, it no. takes a long time it comes with a lot of risks and then at the end of the day you could finally release it into the wild and it bombs like who knows what 
and your your mm-hmm. money, your investment, all that time has just been an absolute waste almost. And it's it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not. No, absolutely not. Which but I guess feeds back into why people get laid off and budgets are cut. Which it's a vicious yeah. cycle, but you need success to spurn more success. Yeah, but I think I agree. Like, I'd like to see some new, in- interesting like IP come out, f- come out from Microsoft. They still feel like they're leaning on all, all um, gl- past glories. Like, like there's new Fable game coming in the works, Halo. I wouldn't be surprised if a new Gears games come- is gets announced oh, not for long off. Like, although Coalition has been hit by this as well, but seemingly not as bad as Free for Free. It it feels like they need to break out from that wheelhouse but I mean they are trying because moving on to our next story Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden both came to Game Pass and we have first looks of them on our channel Um, since I think I'm the only one interested in these games I will keep this fairly brief I like them both I think I'm vibing closer with the story of 3 than 4 however I think 4 is a better game Um, 3 is a bit point and click adventure almost where four just go into more 3d models i mean the games don't look great but persona 3 portable is a psp game and persona 4 golden is a vita game and i think Mm. that is just something you have to just accept when you're playing them but it's it was quite interesting like it's no no free and game pass like yeah yeah I, i mean if you're interested in either of these games i'd recommend you play persona 5 if you haven't played, if you have played Persona Five, then, well, you don't really need me to recommend them. Mm. Yeah, and you talk about like absolute JRPG classics. We we say about yeah. difference and and tactics and, and market IP, but Persona, like the JRPGs, moving on to Xbox is one of the more positive moves they've done in recent years. Yeah, kind of opening the doors up to that that part of the world and bringing those games to Microsoft and Xbox consoles because they've they've not had them in the past. And even though they are older games, like uh, Persona 4 Golden, again, is so well-revered when Sony announced that they were going to shut down the PlayStation Vita store, I have no intention of really playing the game, but I went and bought Persona 4 Golden for the Vita because it's like one of the highest-revered portable games of all time. And I thought, you know what, even if that off chance I want to play, I want it on my Vita as like, just to be sat there waiting for me for that one day I get 120 hours of my life to put free in it which yeah, I'm well aware <laughs> yeah. it's probably never not going to happen Chris probably never no, but the, when it the, was like £12 it was like you know what it, the shop's closing down I want to own it it's yeah everyone who's got a V to say is Persona 4 Golden so yeah these games are not for you Chris I don't expect them <laughs> to be but there's that part of me which was like it might be though it might Again, be. Check back if, in like if you 18 and a half the, years, maybe, Chris, okay? Yeah. If you had the age to play a Persona game I now, and you haven't, again, if you haven't played any Persona games, I would strongly recommend you try Persona um, 5 first, mm-hmm. probably 5 Royale, because I think it, you can actually, I did notice there's certain like tropes in the series, which I didn't, because I'd only played Persona 5, I didn't know there were tropes. Mm. So I've picked up on a few of them things that I carry. Oh, yeah, the certain things that I, ha- I care in every single game. But I think Persona 5 is the strong, strongest of the titles, which is what you would expect, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I haven't, I've only played about an hour and a half of 3 and 4, but I think the story of 5 is probably better as well. I mean, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Being a yeah, more, well, more, story, more story, it could, yeah. like, it, each of them taking very different very different stories, different vibes. But I think, for me, 
yeah, I'd try, I'd try, if you're interested in Persona and you haven't played 5, try 5. If you have played 5, do what I did. The reason I did two first looks is because I didn't know which one I wanted to have a go at first, and I think I'm leaning to 3, even though I think the gameplay is better than in 4. Right. Have you came across it's... any of the uh, misogyny or homophobia that's apparently rife? In the yeah, I was going to touch on. I was going to touch on that. It four especially feels very dated, to be honest. In in some points, there's an interesting Eurogame article. I recommend people go and read. There is some things like pretty much one of the female characters because you're setting setting like a high school, so you're looking like these are like late teenagers. And some of the comments from teachers and like one one girl, yeah. she, get, she got hit on twice in the space of like a single day. Like, it, it's a very horny game in that sense. Like, yeah, I'm looking at one of the screenshots now that says like uh, Yukiko San is back. That was good. I'm glad the only cutie in the class was able to return. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you guys agree? It's like that's the teacher talking to the students right there. Oh, yeah, this is just wrong on so many levels. The, There's so the many teacher, safeguarding issues around. The main teacher for the class you're in is a straight up dickhead. Like and, and pedophile by the sounds he, of it. I maybe not an actual. <laughs> Maybe not an actual paedophile. There's nothing I've played of the game that suggests he's he the has villain? done anything. I don't know. I, he's I, a I, big I, boss at the end. <laughs> it, but it, it, he should not be working as a teacher, put it that way, in my yeah. opinion. Like, he's enough... very much got a chip on his shoulder about pretty much everything. There's but there's screenshot. also stuff like I have, that I haven't played in the game that potentially like problematic things when it comes to homosexuality and stuff. Mm. There could be potential issues in the game for a new audience. I mean, so take it as you will. I, I really don't know. I think that's the sort of stuff you kind of have to make your own judgment on. If, but again, with the concept, yeah. with the concept of like time, we all know stuff was different yeah. back in the day. Just like if we go back to like mm -hmm. the 1950s and 60s, like women were treated differently and stuff, and amongst the other far worse that's, things. And yeah, if this was a brand new game, I would say mm. absolutely never touch this touch this thing based on the Eurogamer review however with it being if you are able to kind of go this is a project product of its time I don't agree with things like the representation or how characters act but I am playing this as a pro with that understanding fine yeah. but if you're also like no way in hell I'm touching this I think that's fine as well again you need that sort of stuff I think you have to make your own what sits well for you or not also you have to remember as well different kind of different countries culture. and yeah, different cultures, like, they, they progress on different social issues at different yeah. times and at different paces, like, um, so... It, There's different priorities and stuff. Yeah. Based on, like, the culture, like, some countries are, like, very prude, like, I think America's quite prudish with, like, sex stuff, where they seem to be quite okay and the with... And Yeah, mm -hmm. and where some countries, like... Nah, sex is fine, but don't do any violence. It, it, different cultures. Yeah, so I it's think like even like, like American TV, you can gut someone with like an AR-15, but you'd like show like yeah. more than three seconds of tit and it's like, no, yeah. it's done. Yeah, Game of Thrones changed all that. Yeah. And well, away, I just mm. offended a lot of people by dropping that C-bomb randomly in the middle of a Persona conversation as well. Yeah, but it's fine. This is definitely going to flag this as like strong language. Apologies. If you thought that was offensive, listen to this. <laughs> Richie, just put a big bleep in there. Right? <laughs> uh, can, can you make a note in the doctor to rhyme me on? Because 
I'll forget. Oh, 41 40. minutes. Yeah. 41, 42 minutes. Right, um, let's, so the, let's... the ball's definitely in their court when it comes to if you play it, Richie. Yeah, kind of make your own decisions on it. I, I'm vibing a bit more with the story of three rather than four. But yeah. Well, I think let's move on and um, have a rant about Ubisoft. Um, so let's start with Eve Gilmon. We talked about him last week about his, um, when I find the article, his comments regarding the balls in your court. Basically, I'll, I'll quote directly from um, this reading from gamesindustry.biz. The ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time and that expected level of quality and show everyone what we are capable of achieving. That's Eve's Gilmon to his staff. Anyone want to touch on that before we go further? Should I maybe like I'll just say something quick? Because like at a much much short, like smaller scale, I've been like in charge of, of running a, a, a business and like and a group of people like with complete autonomy, like as like an owner would would have, like. Any anything you do as a as a, a CEO or a, like a managing director or an owner, like you you have a vision and then you you take stock of what resource you have, whether that be kind of what talent you have, what people you have, how much time they have, and and, and kind of all that type of things. And your only job is to make best use of that resource to enact your vision. And a I don't think he's had a proper vision for, for Ubisoft for a hell of a long time. And B, I don't think he's enabling his staff and kind of his resources to, to enact that vision. So for my definition of what a leader should be, he, he fails on, on both parts. And and then he's also not taking any form of accountability for it. Yeah. Like ultimately he has the power to change anything he wants in that business. My biggest criticism of Ubisoft over the years is Ubisoft feel like all the games are just manufactured. They don't feel like they're developed. They're not doing anything interesting. They're just, it's off a production line is how I refer to Ubisoft games. They seem content mm -hmm. to put sevens and eights out constantly. And then in the multiplayer space, it just tends to be the following trends, but like five years too late. And then mm -hmm. put a seven or eight out when there's nines and tens in that space. Yeah. And it's, it's his so, job to kind of figure out what... Yeah. He has to match his business to the like to the industry and to the audience, and he, yeah. he just seemingly can't do it. He's lashing out like a dick. Yeah, it's the production line is no longer functioning because the industry's moved on. He's looking at this production yeah. line he's built and going, "Why aren't people happy with what's coming off? Yeah. It must be my it's developers." Like, yeah, it's like, oh, that that lever must be broken on the production line, which is making chimney sweeps in twenty twenty one. Where the problem is you actually have a production line in a creative industry. There needs to be some level of like, yes, we need to make games to sell, but it is no matter what, it will always remain a creative industry. And if you're not innovating, if you're not doing anything interesting with your IP, then mm. you just get left behind. And that's what I think's happened to Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I perceive Ubisoft now to just be they're the golden child to shit on. Now Stadia's dead. Like just from my little insular world that mm -hmm. I live in with gaming, because yeah. now there's no negative Stadia articles because you've done it, you killed them, they shut down, they're gone. Now Ubisoft's like the net. It's like when the the, the the kid in class always gets bullied, moves to another school because he's had a terrible experience. Then everything, just all the anger and hatred from these bullying kids, gets funneled to the next person, and like that seems to be Ubisoft at the moment. Because I feel like we're just going to get so many articles now because it's cool to just yeah. kick kick them while they're down. And like stuff like the all the stories this week about the bowlers in your court line, 
like I feel like that was probably just a flipping comment from like an older middle-aged man who was just like, there we go, we've made the changes, we made the announcements, done some delays, what restructuring announcements. <clears throat> Back over to you, team. But because he's worded it as the ball is in your court, that's now like like yeah. this article well, sounds like I feel like it's it's not like is it realistically that harsh that a CEO is saying the ball's in your court to do your job? At the same time, me, like, I feel me, like it's I think a lot it is of in the con- I think it is in the context of how that- shit they've been recently. Yeah, it's like yeah. no accountability. That's my problem with it. It's seemingly he's taking no accountability for Ubisoft's recent failures. He's pointing it at to his staff rather than going, I mean, he okay. doesn't say it, it's used, done it? He literally says, oh, it's over to you. Like, the ball's in your court to get on with the work. Again, he doesn't yeah, say you're it, all it shit, you're be. all bad. It's sort this mess out. Yeah. He's the he's the ball. He's literally saying like it's back over to you. Yeah, we don't have the full context about that. But um, Kotaku reading now again from um, industry, GamesIndustry.biz. Now Kotaku reported that Gilmore held a meeting on Wednesday with staff allowed to submit questions ahead of time. One such question read: "The ball is now in our court. For years, it has been in your court. So, so why did you mishandle the ball so badly? So we, the workers, have to fix it for you." Mm-hmm. And his response was, I heard your feedback and I'm sorry this was perceived that way. What do you want him to it, say? Uh, again, it's for me, this is just him not taking any accountability. That, if this report is right, his staff have called him out on his lack of accountability. And he's like, I'm sorry, you think that? Rather than going, actually that's, taking that's some... That's CEO though, isn't it? That's like CEO one yeah, the book stops with him. It's like close to politician levels of like non-answers. But the reality yeah. is the book yeah. stopped at it's... him when he gets kicked out by the board because of poor performance. So but the next shareholders thing, no, he owns part of it. There's still he shareholders owns... who can vote yeah. for no confidence and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's face it, he's it... not going to be around for much longer. Like, I think that's the, the, the yeah. general perception. Like, we think be, acquisition be... on this. Acquisition, buyout, he'll be kicked out, I, new leadership management, something along those lines. I but. think part of, like, we talk tomorrow and talk on the PS, like, the, uh, there's more, cl- there's more like, closures and cancel projects. I think that is consolidation to prep them for a buyout. Yeah, streamlining, similar to what we're seeing with Square Enix, quite frankly, yeah. as well. Double like, down on the IP that we know sells, cut off, cut the crap, Yeah, and then think, makes it more enticing. By the end as of long as it doesn't... As long as it doesn't affect Skull and Bones, game oh, of the no. year 2026. 20, 2006. <laughs> hmm? Oh, God, Skull no, and Bones. I think, I think either way, so there's a big yeah. shake-up, and I think both Ubisoft and potentially Square will be it, acquired by the end of 2023. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I don't know if the acquisition will be complete, but I think we'll hear about it. It, it might be like last... Last year, we talked about Activision Blizzard. It might it might run on for a bit, especially if Ubisoft and Square are both kind of massive. Yeah, we've still got that but, precious financial year coming around as well. So I think like yeah. either end of March, start of April, you'll start to see some big money movements yeah. in the world of uh, business. Yeah, I think for now, Yves Gilmore probably just needs to get his head down, keep himself out the firing line, because it feels like... Is that a point where any, everything he's saying is just making the map things worse for yeah. Ubisoft? I mean, and that's the just like he's not like a, to give him his credit, he he's had a run of success oh, until yes, this absolutely. point. Like he's he's done some shady shit with regards to like the kind of like toxic behavior like internally on Ubisoft, but like it's not like he's a CEO who's just came in for a couple of years and like binned it yeah. and then he's, he's going to move on Ubisoft. to another. Yeah, so to give him credit, like. 
I think he's just misreading the direction of the entire industry, and I think yeah. it's. I think he's just a bit out of like he's 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 not not in with the crowd. He's just kind of like too. I want to say too old either, but I just feel like he's it's... out of the loop with the current market. And yeah. like you mm-hmm. say, yeah, he fought off Vivendi, stopped the the hostile takeover, and he's made Ubisoft what it is today. So, like, yeah, you're, like you said, Rob, credit where credit's due. But I think maybe his his time has passed. I think it's the industry has moved on, and Ubisoft for me haven't hmm. moved on with it. And now the, the, they've realised, and they're trying to fight to get back. But they're follow, they're trying to just respond to trends rather than getting out in front of them. The reason Fortnite, well, the reason PUBG, PUBG is a perfect example. Why did, was PUBG so successful? Because it was ahead of the trend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortnite managed to copy the trend very quickly after, and someone understood the potential of a battle royale, understood what audience might go for that, and now they're one of the biggest games to ever exist. Ubisoft then, like, how many, probably like five years after Fortnite went battle royale, came out with Hyperscape, and it wasn't as good as what was already available. That's the problem, Mm -hmm. like, they're just behind the trend, and when everything feels off a manufacturing line, everything's a 7 or 8 out of 10, it just doesn't feel like... Good. They're not bad games by any stretch of the imagination. There's just mm-hmm. better. Yeah. There's, yeah. And when you cons- constantly... I think the reason why Ubisoft comes under the microscope so often is they've got some fantastic IP. I think everyone wants them to do well. There's so much potential in them studios. Yeah, I, I want to be like excited about Assassin's Creed game again. Yeah, which I, I haven't been for a, a long I want, time. I want to be excited for Assassin's Creed Red, but in the back of my mind is Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. They, Assassin's Creed Red should have happened before Ghost of Tsushima. People were well, asking for it. That's the problem, isn't it? When stuff's dragged yeah. out so long, people better you. And let's face it, mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima is a better Assassin's Creed game than any Assassin's yeah. Creed game we've <laughs> yeah, probably had in the, the last problem, five, like, six years. So, if Ghost of Tsushima Two is going up against up against Assassin's Creed Red, I'm sorry, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, no hope in hell. Unless they pivot, change things around, and Mirage is actually changing things up. They're going going back to the the roots actually with a bit more of Mirage, which could be a good thing for that franchise. Hmm. To rediscover that magic, then take it in a new direction. But at the same time, Assassin's Creed Valhalla grossed over a billion dollars for Ubisoft, so it's the yeah. one thing that you almost might not want to change. Yeah, it's yeah, a, if you like, like a billion dollars. Like, why would you rock that boat too much? Because if you rock it, if you rock the boat, you end up with skull and bones. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we move on? Go yes. On, so next story. Um, Actually, a positive story for once, because I feel like this week on both this show and talking to PS is quite a bit. I mean, when you start off with like twenty thousand people in the tech industry being laid off, you're setting a tone. Yeah. Pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was quite a bit, and like PSV um, tomorrow's PSVR, and like I'm quite skeptical over like mainly price point, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, Liza P is apparently running at AK on PC. So Liza P is the Pinocchio Good. Dark Souls, basically. Mm-hmm. It's come to Game Pass, but that's pretty incredible if it's getting a decent frame rate at 8K. Is it running Unreal 5? Is like this one of the first games that we're going to see that's actually running in that engine? 
I don't know. Um, I think that would be a big... Because we are, I think, expecting from this year onwards, we're going to start to see the fruits of Unreal 5 being out in the wild. I don't know if this is one, but I've seen a few clips going around this week uh, of, I think, is it Atomic Heart? There's another one that might be running yeah. Unreal 5. Uh, again, it's Unreal coming to Game Pass. Is it? Well, yeah. It goes to show you then. Squeezing that last bit of juice out of the old engine before shifting over. But uh, I guess it's the kind of the way yeah. the industry's gone. And again, if games like this that aren't from huge developers can embrace it, then yeah. better for games like, all around. Let's be fair, though. AK on PC is just stupid. It's just not necessary in any way, shape, or form. But it's an impressive feat. It makes me very optimistic for its performance on, say, 4K. Because mm-hmm. if they can get, say, 30 frames, steady 30 frames at 8K, 60 frames at 4K should be easy. Obviously, this depends on PC hardware, etc. But yeah, the thing is, I don't think like are we sure that AK actually has a future as a, a medium? Because I'm not really sure. So. I think for the, the beyond like, 4K, you're hitting diminishing returns massively. I don't think I've actually seen anything in AK before. I've just never AK, came across AK this has a future for like billboard-sized TVs and stuff. Mm-hmm. For maybe like, like cinema experiences. Yeah. Yeah, like they use banning AK TVs because they don't they, they draw too much power. There's, there's no so benefit. Sure. There's not. Honestly, I think if you put a 4K TV in front of most people and an AK TV and went, spot the difference, didn't tell them which one's which, I think mm-hmm. most people would struggle to see the difference unless they're like, like getting close and it's like looking at the pixels and stuff. But realistically, that's not how you'd watch TV. Yeah. So I mean, that's I get, why I get it returns. Yeah, like, like me put like I, I tested my PC in 4K and like it's yeah. a decent like kind of PC setup and like even though I'm like, ooh, this is starting to like well, not struggle, but it's 2K seems to be the sweet spot for PC with the distance to the mm-hmm. monitor because is it like Retina from Apple's like the importance is like you did it's not just your pixel density, it's how close you are and what because the, the fair you are away like. The small, the more resolution you need to push, the bigger screen, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this game but, looks cool as fuck, really? by the way. Yeah. Oh like yeah. Steampunk Pinocchio just beating the shit out of people. Like regardless yeah. of resolution, the game looks fun, and it's Game Pass. So yeah, looking forward to it. Going to do a first look when it drops, Chris. I might do. Yeah. Again, I'm not a Dark Souls person, so it's like what's maybe this gets you into the genre. What's going to get me to try out? And it's like Steampunk Pinocchio. Yeah. Why, why the hell Who, not? Such a ridiculous combination of so many different things as well. Yeah, <laughs> but it works. But surprisingly, it does look yeah, that's a crazy thing. It, it does work. Name's yeah. still stupid though. Yeah, it seems like I'm watching a few trailers at the moment. It seems to be like quite action heavy. It doesn't seem like very. You know how Dark Souls can be very methodical. You're kind of waiting for your opportunity. It does seem mm. a bit, a more little bit slash. more slashy, with not going full full hack and slash. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it might be a bit more forgiving in that sense. I hope but, so. Yeah, should be good. Keeping on spec side, um, Dead Space um, has apparently two performance modes. So I want to just use this as an opportunity to just talk about performance modes in general. Because what are your thoughts about performance modes, like toggles and stuff, for this gen- current generation of consoles? Bear in mind, strange one for me. Yeah. So, like... I get, I get like the benefit of it, um, but it does make me cautious that kind of performance modes, the, like the non, the kind of like the base performance, like has more permission to 
run poorly than if they didn't exist at all, if that makes sense. There's, yeah. there's it, it can seem like a bit of a scapegoat where it's like, oh, like this, this game's kind of like done whatever. It's like, oh, well, that's because it's not in this mode or whatever. And it's like, well, I like the simplicity of console games just to to press start and it runs how it's intended to run. And I don't have to fanny about with like settings or updating drivers and, and shit like that, which I do on PC. Yeah. That's an appeal for me. One of my thoughts is this generation was meant to kind of, was almost sold as this is the generation where you'll play 4K natively. Like this is what this generation should be about as a step up from the last generation. But everything so mm -hmm. far seems to be if you want to play at 60 frames per second, you need to use a performance mode, which mm -hmm. it's interesting when you go back to Stadia, how much shit Stadia got for that. And the PS5 is doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, but... Stadium was whipping by, right? <laughs> it's Ubisoft now. Uh, I don't really care much for it. I've never been that much of a snob when it comes to performance. Well, I don't. I don't know whether I just haven't noticed it. I've heard people say like, once you notice it, you can't go back. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've hit that point in a game yet because I, I don't know. I'm just I'm there for the game more than I am. Unless it runs like buggy shit and stuff, it doesn't really I... stand out for me. I noticed it going from Plague Tale Innocence to Plague Tale Requiem. Because Innocence was running at 60 frames per second. Requiem, while looking much better, was at 30 frames per second. And it just didn't feel as smooth as slick, even though it's visually prettier. I almost wish I could have toggled the performance mode in that game. Just It'll to probably get, get a patch in like three yeah. months. And I'm playing, I only have, I'm playing this on a 1080p monitor. So it's like, I don't need this game to be, trying to push like higher resolutions and I'd rather play 1080p at 60 frames per second well I can't play like at 4k because I don't have a, a TV to do it but yeah that, that's kind of one of the things I just wanted to, to bring up on this topic just like cause I am I get your skepticism but I'm actually in somewhat in favour because if if I can drop the quality just a bit and get better frame rates for a lot of games I think that works better yeah, I'll give well, you that. I think it's just, for me, it's just, uh, as with Chris, I'm yeah. not yeah. at that point where it needs to be it, kind of... It's game-specific for me. Some games, yeah. I think, are absolutely fine at 30 frames per second. I know some people think that's sacrilege, but say, take Persona. Persona at 30 frames per second is absolutely fine because it's not heavy mm -hmm. action. It's not fast-twitch stuff. Well, to be fair, but, yeah. as someone who's like dabbling in Pokemon... Scarlet right now, I'd be happy if that thing just ran out. You'd be 10. happy with 15. <laughs> yeah, 10, yeah, 15, more than happy. A uh, um, few quick stories, I think, to round things up. Age of Empires 2 is apparently getting Xbox's Play Anywhere treatment, so if you have a single copy of, X of Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, you should be able to play that wherever you like. That's good it's, to know. That's it's a small story, but I think it's nice. I've yeah. started on PC, so if I can just pick up my campaign... On, in the cloud, then I'll take that. Yeah. And I think the last one I want to touch on is Power Wash Simulator. Bit of a cult phenomenon. phenomenon. Um, but with do, Power Wash Simulator. But this was um, one of them things that. <laughs> who, who would have expected that you'd bring literally um, the Croft Manor from the Tomb Raider to Power Wash Simulator? So yeah. if you remember back in like Tomb Raider 2 where you used to lock like the butler in the freezer. Yeah. Now you can power wash the entire house. 
Tell you what, this this Croft Manor has fell into some state of disrepair. Oh, what the hell's that butler been like, doing? My word. I mean, he's been locked in a pantry for, for 30 <laughs> years, Rob, that's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the Power Wash simulated games have, like, what? some of the yeah. simplest gameplay ever, but also yeah. the most satisfying at the it's, same time. It's yeah. even got the assault course. That it's, oh, I like, love that assault course in number three. That was, you, yeah. was it number that, three? That was two. 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 I think two. it was two, yeah. And now you can go three clean had something it. else, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting remember. Like, I actually preferred walking around the manor and doing the assault course and like the um like the indoor gym and like was it a quad bike you could ride or something as well yeah the quad, the quad bikes in it yeah i don't know is if you can ride it but i from the on the trailer you can watch the quad bike you can watch wash the jeep but Genius. why do i feel like next week rob until on either talk the ps or xpass we're going to ask you what you've been playing you're going to be playing i started tomb raider again <laughs> tomb Probably, yeah. Tomb. yeah depends if i complete the campaign for wars yeah. on 2100 yeah yeah, I don't have time. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's all we have time for this week. So if you've liked the video, hit that like button and consider becoming a member for as little as 99p. We can get early access to our shows, custom emojis and badges in our live chat. If you want to join the conversation even further, we have a Discord server. The link is in the description below. Thank you very much for watching. My name's been Richie. I'll be on the Clicker Cast tomorrow night, 8pm GMT, round up The Last of Us. Chris. I've been Rob. Wash your manner. Goodbye. Wash your manner.